Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Roundtable. We are globally connected with Military Families Matters with partner, family caregiver, Keisha L. Jackson. Today is Saturday, December 4th, 2021. And December is AIDS Awareness Month and National Human Rights Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. Or I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honors Productions. And our partner on the line with us today is Keisha L. Jackson, U.S. Air Force veteran, family caregiver. But first, I wanted to tell you that to join us on America's Heroes Group now on our globally live streaming Facebook radio talk show. Like and share so others will become connected to information and resources. You can also listen to America's Heroes Group on the iHeartRadio app. Just search America's Heroes Group and watch us on digital TV streaming on Roku, Amazon Fire, digital TV, Apple TV through our partner, Zondra TV's network. Zondra TV's network with a Z-O-N-D-R-A. When you get to Zondra, search for America's Heroes Group. Just search for America's Heroes Group, and you will be able to find us on Zondra TV's network or any of these streaming platforms. So, Keisha, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Sean. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. Glad to hear your voice. Yeah, yours as well. We yours also, as well. It's great. So we also have a panelist, Nora Neil Daggett. She is an author, a speaker a writer of Grief Navigator, trained Stevens minister, and the CEO of Nora Speaks Life. How are you doing, Nora? I am excellent, Sean. Thank you so much. How are you? So, Keisha, you want to give us an introduction for Miss Nora and give us kind of a background as to how you brought us to her, brought her to us today on America's Heroes Group? Sure, definitely my pleasure. But before I um, talk a little bit about navigating through grief and Miss Nora, I wanted to just give a uh, shout-out and say hi to a nine-year-old. I call her a self-care giver, someone that's very special to me. It's my little cousin, Maddie. Uh, we call, her name is Madison, but we call her Maddie. She's nine years old, and on October the 7th, Madison was admitted to CHOP Hospital. Mm. That's the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for a bone marrow transplant. And uh, although Maddie has had some challenges, each day she's getting better, she's getting stronger. And uh, I just want to say to Maddie, I don't know if she's listening or if she'll, she'll hear it later. Maddie, I want you to know that your family is very proud of you and we love you very much. And very soon we're going to be kissing you and hugging you. So I can't wait to just put my arms around you. So, yeah, really excited about that. Wow, that's really that's really heartwarming to really bring that up and also to talk about something very human, so personal. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey, and maybe one time her mother and I we were talking earlier about it today. It may be something that I'll just even see if we can bring to America's Heroes Group to talk even more about um, bone marrow transplants in our community and the importance of getting some information, some awareness, and different things like that. Hmm. So, Nora, now you wrote a book called When Tears Have Voice. The paperback came out in uh, 2009. 
And you talk about navigating grief and things of that nature, and also sometimes even seeking a higher power to try to help you get through these things. So listen to what Keisha shared with us today. What are some things you can share with us to help us get through those tough times when we have grief in our hearts? What do we do and how do we stay strong? Sean, the very first step in successfully navigating grief is to acknowledge the pain and accept that you cannot do it alone. Um, we talked, you spoke of a higher power. That is indeed uh, an excellent ticket um, to have to walk through grief. Um, and the, the second step is to stop feeling overwhelmed by the gloom and the despair. But look to that higher power. And some, for some people, that's Allah or a doorknob. But whatever you look to for your strength, for your health, for your well-being, then look to that to start to navigate through the loss. Loss is not a destination, Sean. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that we endure as we live this life on this earth. Mm-hmm. But it is a trial. You walk through it with the hope and the expectation of getting to the other side and eventually to joy again. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about, too, you're a Stevens ministry. Tell us what Stevens ministry is and then how that connects mm-hmm. to the process of caregiving. Okay. You know, it's interesting. Um, Stevens ministry is a worldwide organization, and they put together a plan to help individuals help other individuals. So the, the thought and the process is, and you all use this as soldiers, how do you get through a minefield behind the steps of someone else who's walked through that minefield? Mm. And that's the mindset about Stephen's ministry. Um, you've been through uh, a divorce, or you've been through a death. You can reach back and help someone else walk through that. So it's um, a 9- to 12-week training program, depending on where you take it. And um you just walk through the steps of the difference between empathy and sympathy, of learning how to help people realize where they are and what they need to do. And my favorite expression is to realize who they are and whose they are. Again, reaching back to that higher power and, and what he has given each of us to navigate difficulties in our lives. I think that's so profound when you talked about because Oftentimes it takes it takes a really strong person and a leader and actually a person of, 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 of grace really truly to actually look back and help someone get through something that's, that's, tra- that's traumatic. Someone who's been through something traumatic and having the time and patience and, and the care and wherewithal to actually look back and help somebody get through that landmine. I think that's yeah. really, I'm thinking, so I, my hat's off to you, Keisha, for what you do every day. I mean, I've tasted some of that being a caregiver as well myself. And that's one of the things that many Americans will find themselves in that particular role. Some people, it's overwhelming, and they some people run from it. Some people, you know, they just they just dig in and they just do it. You know, they you know what? How do so? How do you get that courage and that strength to look for a higher power, whatever it is, to get yourself to that position where you're even want to be helping someone else get through what you just went through? Sean, the the thing that I want to say at this point is that we were each created, every single one of us, with a void, and I call it a God-sized void, right in the center of our hearts. So we are always looking 
ignore that way to get through. Sometimes we reach for people. Sometimes we reach for alcohol. Sometimes we reach for any type of substance to get us through when actually reach just simply saying, God, I need you, or Holy Spirit, I need you. Just reaching out, realizing that in and of yourself, you cannot do it. You cannot navigate loss. You can't navigate pain. You can't get better a lot of times until you acknowledge that you are not everything that you need. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Um, one thing that was um, not to say not to say that word play devil's advocate, but you know, for the, in that same vein, some people say, "Well, how do I believe in something that I can't see? How do I be, how do I have faith in something that is not real?" Or they've never really been in a situation where they had that maybe connection or family type of, um, um, environment where they can where they are willing to let down their guard and say, "Hey, right. I'm missing something." You know, so how do so that person who's never seen that, never had that experience, never been in that kind of type of culture? You know, where do they go and how do they reach out for help? You know, there are many churches and organizations, but generally, Sean, um, I have just led people just by the example of loving people, just being kind, just being willing to help them. And when you can allow people to see the milk of human kindness, and then you can begin to talk to them about that higher power and find out where they are and what their experience was as a child or as an adult with any type of relationship um, with the higher power. So just talking with someone is, is one way. Of course, people can, uh, there's so many online churches now, so many online churches on Sunday morning. You don't even have to get up out of your bed and get your clothes on. You can just pull up your computer. There are many sources um, on online as well. Um, the Bible app is one fantastic um, tool that people can use. It's called the U version, and it is a, a very basic introduction into the higher power. Now, tell us a little bit about your book, When Tears Have Have Voice. So when sure. you wrote that book, what motivated you to write that book? And then what are some of the things that, that really, that a person, when they read that, what do you hope that that brings to their heart or brings to their mindset? When Tears Have Voice came out of um, the death of my second husband. I was married um, to the father of my three children for 21 years, and then we were divorced. And then I remarried about 12 years later, and we were married for five and a half years. He was 52 years old when he contracted um, pneumonia, and it was a very ravishing pneumonia called um, Legionella pneumonia. And he lived about a month, and then he died. Out of my pain, I wrote. I have always written for comfort, and I wrote every day just navigating that loss because it was overwhelming. The waves came at me big and hard and knocked me down. But I knew that there was more beyond this. And I can remember saying just a few moments after he died, God, I don't know how to do this. And I heard one step at a time, one moment at a time. So let's fast forward uh, about six months after he died. Um, I was inscribing another book that someone had given me and I had 
bought many of them for other people. And I got a very strong uh, inclination that I should write my own devotional. I went back to those things that I had written, um, added a scripture and a um, prayer to each one of the little stories. And When Tears Have Voice then became a book. Mm. My entire hope within that book is for people to realize that you can walk through the pain one day at a time, one moment at a time, because your, your focus only has to be the next thing, not anything further than that, but the next thing that you have to do. And I want people to come away having the vision that, yes, there can be joy in my life again. Yes, loss is not a destination for me. There is a plan and a purpose for me beyond this loss. Mm. That's it in a nutshell. Wow. And then what are some of the things, would you say, personally going through your struggles, like what are what were the biggest challenges? So what were some of the things that maybe sometimes knocked you out of that uh, that walk? Because every time you go mm-hmm. through a, a, uh, the process of healing or going through the process of trying to recover, or get to the next level, or get to the next point, the end result, there's always going to be some kind of a moment where you where you fall down, or where you, you doubt yourself, or you fall out of that walk. So what are some of those challenges, those, those stumbling blocks that, you, that you've seen in your, in your own personal life? I would have to say, Sean, that the, the thing that was the biggest for me um, was the loneliness. Coming home, there, he wasn't there. Um, and we commuted together every day. So we, we had our um, processing time and, and um, talking about management and what type, that type thing. But the hardest thing for me was the loneliness and his just not being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a couple of little things that, you know, how ideas will just flow into your head. Um, I started, this was back in 2004 when there were still message machines on your phone. So I would call myself in the mid part of the day and the message would say, welcome home, Nora. Um, I hope you had a good day. Um, Just know that Ruben's presence is still here and that he will always love you. And that gave me a sense of peace. I could come in and push that message machine. And that was my welcome home. Um, You find little things along the way to comfort yourself. Um, When my second husband died, I knew, because I got married again 12, 13 years later, and when he died, this this was the primary thing I knew. I know I will get through this because I got through it before. That seems almost cruel to say I have to get married again, and then all of a sudden, you know, they go through the same experience. Well, I did... Um, have moments of time that I would say to the Lord, I know that I truly do not understand this, but I do know that you are sovereign and that you don't make mistakes. And that is the, whenever I would have that overwhelming feeling of, I don't understand it. I'm mad at, I'm angry and you've taken another husband from me. I know that he doesn't make, that God doesn't make mistakes. And that is how I walked through that. I can relate to a lot of veterans, a lot of people that were in really tough times, especially combat veterans that have told me stories where they've, they've said this, a lot of the same things. That, you know, something higher than them, something that got them through was A, mm-hmm. having that faith and having that, 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 that tunnel vision almost sometimes when you're in the darkest point, being able to look and focus on something that you love, something that actually that you want, that you have to live for 
to get through some of the toughest times that you ever experienced in your life. And that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But, um, Sean, we've talked a, a little bit about um, the higher power and, and whatnot. But the, the thing that is um, that I want to bring to light is that Jesus does have healing for our wounded hearts. And he has a message in Isaiah that says he was pierced and crushed for our transgressions and iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. In a word, he loves us. And he will heal us from anything, anything um, that pushes us down and prevents us. And I'm, I'm very sure, based on what you just said, that many a soldier has had to reach deep down inside of himself to find that peace and associate that peace with the higher power. Hmm. Now, you have 43 years in nursing management experience. Is that, is that accurate? That's accurate. I'm okay. I'm 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 old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still young to me. So you were a senior a senior nurse liaison at MedStar National, a little bit a little bit at Haitian Center at, at that's in Washington D.C. Is that right across the street from the VA over in D.C.? Yes, sir. It is okay, right yeah, there on that same campus. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me some of the experiences you've 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 seen or learned working there with the years of experience in a place in a hospital where you see grief all the time. You see things all the time where people are saying goodbye to loved ones or, you know, a person walks in not even expecting to have anything um, bad happen to them and they're getting bad news. You have cancer or they're not coming out of that hospital. You know, right. how, does, how does, how do you, how does that shape your mindset and also give and still, how do you hold on to your light to get to really be able to help someone else get through a bad time? You know, I, I have a process, uh, Sean, every morning, um, and I've done this since a very young nurse because you are always faced with life and death situations or situations that um, no one was prepared for, um, nevertheless the family. So now you are standing there as an individual to reach. You've got to step out of yourself mm. because your emotions can take over. So if you can step out of yourself in the mornings, I always ask the Lord for guidance and for the ability for people to see him and not see me so that when those situations come up, I can be a comfort. I can be a a post to lean on. I can be the person that can hold you while you cry. Um, And through that, those periods of time when I have stood with a doctor and told a family, um, this is a very bad cancer, and we don't anticipate that he's going to live longer than six months, and then go back into that room um, to just talk to that family, to give them the opportunity to be angry if they want to be angry or cry if they want to cry. But the thing that is important is just being there Hmm. for that family or that individual at that time. Just your mere presence and your caring really means the world to people. Very, very, and that's what I've learned over the years. Just being there. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just your presence um, is phenomenal to many people going through loss or going through a, some disappointing news. And that seems like there's something missing. In my opinion, it seems like that's something that's missing a lot in healthcare today, particularly when we're dealing with uh, veterans and what veterans have gone through, because there's a disconnect a lot from the 
healthcare professionals, especially if they're civilian, they don't understand some of the things that that veteran might have experienced, particularly if they're combat veterans. Now, I'm not a combat right. veteran, you know what I'm saying? So I can't, I don't, I can't, I can imagine, but I know that's a whole nother level once you, people have been shooting at you or you've been hit with an IED or you've been driving down a road and all of a sudden, you know, an RPG, a rocket propelled grenade comes through, flying through your, you know, your, your truck, or whatever. So, I mean, so having those traumatic experiences and, and trying to connect with someone who has not had those types of experiences, who's looking at you from the guise of things that they that they think they've seen every single day. We talked earlier about how important culture is to your identity oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And the same mm-hmm. thing in the veteran mm-hmm. community. When you become part of the military, that becomes part of your culture now. That's a culture that you learn and that you adopt, that you kind of become part of. And then now, when you are in the civilian world, you still have that culture that you bring with you. So you can't just, just leave that behind you. You can't just cut it off. It's still in right. your mind. It's still in your soul. You know. So you know, one of the things that, um, that I wonder, and a person like you would be the per- best person to ask, is do you see the world being more compassionate to do the types of work that you do as far as helping other people? Or do you see us... Where do you see us in that in that regard? Are we moving forward or backwards as far as being a more compassionate community? Not just within the veteran community, but I'm talking about within this country. I believe, Sean, that we have to look for those individuals, to look for those people, because we, the world is in such a turmoil and such a traumatic place right now that Looking for kindness sometimes that isn't there is very devastating. Um, So as a world, as a whole, I think we're moving very fast. I think that we sometimes don't stop and think. But I do know that when there is one person within a group of 10 that displays compassion, that displays love for other people, that they can change that group. So in my prayer time every morning, I am praying for more individuals to shine a light into the darkness because we live in a very dark world now. And I believe people are so caught up in their own stuff and what they want and how to do it. COVID changed some things, that's for sure. It made people be more introspective and it made people realize that I have to look beyond myself to help the people down the street that didn't have any food, to help um, other people have food on their tables. You know, um, organizations have really band together in a, a caring method to bring food and to help people with their rent and so forth and so on. So, you know, I, I don't think the world is less compassionate. I think the world is coming oh, to a point I realize that the world is coming to a point where we have to be compassionate for one another and care for one another because that's what we are to do as human beings. I appreciate your time, Nora. That was very. I thank you. I thank you. Give me a lot of hope and a lot of a lot of uh, faith of what we can do as people and as veterans to make this world a better place. And I appreciate your time and I appreciate the work that you do. And Keisha, thanks thank for, you once so much. Again, th- thank you. And Keisha, thanks once again for bringing us a bright light in this dark world. Sometimes. And this is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.